Have you ever been told at some point in your life that you are not good enough, smart enough, strong enough, rich enough, or any reason really? This podcast is meant to teach, motivate, and inspire you to never lose sight of what your true passion is and to always believe you are far more capable than you think. Welcome to the Why Not Me podcast with your host, David Lawrence. Each week, we'll bring you a special guest that will truly motivate, inspire, and encourage you to never lose sight of who you are, what it is you're meant to do, and to offer valuable advice on what steps you can take to help you believe in yourself, achieve your dreams, and ultimately lead you to discover your purpose, passion, and drive. And this is the ultimate example of servant leadership. It, the scripture talks about how he first remembered who he was, he remembered where he had come from, and he remembered where he was going. And in light of that, he took a basin, and he took a towel, and he washed his disciples' feet to show them how they were to love one another and serve one another. And I marvel at that passage, and I think it's a really great teaching point, is that in order to serve well and to be a servant leader, you have to know who you are, where you've come from, and where you're going. Welcome back to the Wine and Me podcast. Today, we have a good friend of mine I've met through a mentor of mine, Todd Durkin. Uh, the mastermind group, Laura Jones. Laura is a certified personal trainer, group fitness trainer, speed and agility coach with over 20 years of experience. She has lots of expertise in the strength and conditioning field. Uh, she is also in the youth ministry, um, biblical studies. She had, had a degree from Charleston Southern University. Uh, Laura is a people goer. She loves her community. She's passionate about her growth and development. She works with the youth um, of today currently and spreads a very positive and powerful message. So, Laura, I want to welcome to the show and appreciate you taking time out of your day uh, and uh, joining us here. Thanks, David. I appreciate being asked. So happy to spend time with you. Yes, it's awesome. I love uh, really just chat with our, especially the mastermind group. And it's, uh, you know, it's the, we, the old adage of like-minded individuals, you know, Iron sharpens iron, and just the the passion, the conversations, and stuff like that. So I'm excited to have you on, and for you to share your message, what you do, and hopefully, um, no doubt, will inspire some of these youth who are tuning in today. So, are you ready to rock and roll? Absolutely, let's go. Let's go. So let's let's find out. Let's start there. Let's find out who Laura Jones is, and a little bit about you and your your background, your upbringing, and kind of what you're up to these days. Sure. Okay. Um, I am from South Knoxville, Tennessee. That's where I was born and mostly raised, um, both Knoxville and Chattanooga. And um, I tell you, I um, I grew up in a home where athletics was a uh, highly valued uh, a skill. And you kind of came up through and learned about life through athletics. So my dad played college football and that was kind of how he came out of poverty. And so that was a value in our home. And I have an older brother who was extremely athletic, but for me, um, it was a challenge to find something that I liked. I was a pretty timid kid and I wasn't competitive at all as a child. And so my parents just kept signing me up for different things to try. Um, but, uh, it wasn't until, middle school that I found cheerleading and uh, not just cheerleading for sidelines, but competitive cheerleading. And that's something that became a passion of mine. Um, and pretty much that was my introduction into um, fitness and being an athlete and competition. And really, I do attribute that experience for developing my character and making me who, you know, who I am today. So, um, and sorry. So uh, sorry to interrupt. So I want to just go back to your original. Your dad played college football. Was he mm -hmm. Tennessee ball? You know, he did have a verbal commitment to play ball for Tennessee. He was a running back, all American high school football player, but it didn't work out. Um, so uh, he ended up playing for a smaller school and only played for one year. But it certainly was his um, kind of his way of um, getting into college. And then really from there became a self-made man. I think it it was something that developed him as well in terms of his character and his work ethic. Absolutely. Uh, 
you know, not interrupting, I'm sorry to run up as far as your intro, but the, the background of sets the foundation for us, right? So I was curious to see where he started out and kind of where you got your fire from. So it makes sense if he was a running back. Those guys are pretty fiery. And <laughs> so it makes, it all makes sense now. So go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, um, he taught me a lot, but my, my brother also, he's four years older than me and he ended up playing football one year in college as well as a running back at UT Chattanooga. Um, and it certainly was a big part of his life. So, um, so yeah, it just kind of, you know, was the pathway of, um, character development and learning life skills that prepared me for the rest of my life. I did cheer one year in college, um, at the Citadel. I did not go to the Citadel. Um, I went to Charleston Southern university, but this was back when the Citadel did not have female cadets. And so for years they had had a co-ed squad with male cadets from obviously the Citadel, but then their female cadet or female cheerleaders were from College of Charleston and Charleston Southern. And so I ended up cheering there um, because I went to Charleston Southern University, wanted to continue to cheer in college. Uh, but my dad was very insistent that I get in and out of college quickly. So I didn't cheer all four years and just went heavy um, with hours and got out of there quickly. So what, uh, what, what was that like for you? Was there any pressures that you faced um, with those expectations? <clears throat> with cheering in college? Yeah, or just, getting, just getting yes. into college and, and getting in and out. And you know, that your first year, was there a reason uh, like for that, uh, that one year that you were there that you wanted to Yeah, there? absolutely. Yeah, so um, I started out, my dad is a very practical man. He was a banker for years. And he... I actually commuted to school my freshman year of college. I was at UT Chattanooga, but I was ready to get out of town, to go away to school and really wanted to go into full-time ministry. Felt like God had prepared me for that. And it was my greatest desire. And so um, because of that, I knew I needed to transfer and I, I wanted to get my degree in youth ministry, but there were only two colleges at the time. And this is 1995, um, at least in the Southeast that offered a youth ministry degree. And one was in Charleston, South Carolina. And then the other one was a minor you could get in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And um, I just happened to meet uh, a guy on a cruise ship the summer before and was dating him kind of long distance. He was a Citadel cadet at the time. Um, and uh, just happened that Charleston Southern offered the youth ministry degree that I wanted so long story short, my dad allowed me to transfer to Charleston Southern, but I was going from commuting to, you know, living from home uh, to transferring to a private school. So just financially, um, the agreement was, you know, get really focused on school and make sure you're not just, you know, wasting time, but stay focused and um, get in and out as quickly as possible, which I don't regret at all. And uh, I'm just grateful for the experience. Totally. What was that? So what was that experience like while you're at the Citadel? Like, you know, from going in there and cheering to not cheering, how did, how did you deal with that shift? Well, um, when I was at UT Chattanooga, I, I was on the dance team. So that's pretty much like cheering for basketball. Right. Um, but it was a lot less serious than what I had come from because I had come from um, a competitive squad, and we were two-time national champions. So I transitioned from that really serious, took pretty much all my focus, and academics was just a kind of a side thought, um, to being in college and really focusing more on academics and then transitioning from dance to back to cheer on this co-ed squad. But a lot of these people participated just for fun. Um, and so it wasn't as serious as high school. So it was like almost a a weaning away from being all in competitive focused on um, growing as an athlete, transitioning out to focusing more on academics. And then I really was prepared for after that one year of college um, cheering to just transition into running <laughs> and starting to lift weights and figuring out how I could teach group fitness and that's how I, I kind of kept it going because for me, it was, you're an athlete for all these years. And now what do you do with yourself 
well, I wanted to remain an athlete and I didn't want to think about being like a has been. So for me, that was, it was a natural transition into teaching group fitness and becoming part of that community. So it was able to shift. It was easy to shift focus for me. Did you have any, while you're stopping from doing competitive shooter to tearing up Citadel to, you know, you made that transition pretty smooth because you had that background. So what about somebody, you know, someone that may be going through that right now, you know, what advice would you give to them is, you know, for you it was easy, but maybe they're struggling with it. What would you say to that person? Well, the reason it was easy for me is because of my perspective and seeing myself as someone who wanted to remain an athlete. So I would encourage anyone who enjoys sport, enjoys competition, and and really enjoys the growth mindset when it comes to physicality um, to go ahead and plan on how am I going to stay fit? What is going to keep me motivated and focused in growing? and getting, continuing to get stronger, continue to get faster. Um, and if that means training for a half marathon or a marathon, if that means, um, starting to teach group fitness classes or do personal training, if that means participating in, um, a DECA, a competition, do that. And, um, there doesn't really need to be a gap between you ending your athletic career in college or high school and you, um, starting your athletic career outside of that. They're just, you just transition right into it because it's hopefully it's become part of you. I think you just have to get more creative and, um, think, um, for yourself and figure out what's going to be the best fit for you. Right. And it's a, it's a mindset, right? That you're, you're doing something for so long. You're used to that routine, daily patterns, somewhat in some cases being in the spotlight, or not, not what sport or athlete type of athlete you are, Mm -hmm. you know, it tends to be some of it's uh, over-exaggerated by the peers that, you know, your peers and the pressures that they face uh, that you have to continue down this road. Uh, And sometimes it just has to stop. Right. So Mm -hmm. I'm always curious because I see the high school, we have many high schools in in our area and, and kids going into college who are high school athletes who are good athletes not great mm-hmm. athletes and going into college is a whole nother, especially if you're, you're talking division one level where if you were the fastest kid in high school, you're not necessarily going to be the fastest kid in college and okay. everybody or everybody's fast or equally as good as you are. And if you were that individual, kind of like how I was, you were a good athlete, not a great athlete, but then you go into college and you're overwhelmed with, I don't think this is for me. So what's next for me? And mm-hmm. And start having that mindset of doesn't mean you have to stop being an athlete because I, you know, I think exactly. I love the people and you see, you probably see this too. You see people in and out of fitness facilities, gyms, workout centers, studios who were 60, 70, 80, 90 years old. And they, I talked to one guy yesterday and he's like, I was running on the treadmill. He's 91. He was walking. He's like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm still an athlete. You know, he's like, in his mind, he's still an athlete. So that's uh, right. So it's all a mindset and we're, you know, how we, prepare and plan and what that transition looks looks like and how you can adjust to the next phase of your life. It's and- true. And and I have trained athletes who really did not peak in high school. They were decent athletes and they were fortunate that college let them play for them, right? Whether it's walk-on or preferred walk-on or they got a small scholarship at a small school, right? But some of them um are peaking in college and then going on to play professional sports. And then some of them peak in high school and then they do okay in college. But um, you're right. It's just that mindset. It's that mentality of, I want to grow both intellectually and physically all of my life. And so really it's just, are you going to have enough initiative and um, ambition to make sure that you are taking care of yourself in that way, that you're planning and you're preparing and you're going to stay involved because you know you need it for your mental health <laughs> and for your physical health. So is, did you do anything particular like back then? Because I know you do a lot of it now. Did you do any journaling or anything like that where you had a plan, a routine? So once you knew that end was coming, that you know you knew, yeah, I can go jump into, I'd like to work out. I'm going to go 
lead exercise and, 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 and approach it that way. Is there anything that you did specifically to help you from that standpoint? Yeah, well, um, I had a college roommate who was not cheering, but she was really into fitness already. And we started running together and we started training together. And so that was really helpful to have someone else who was like-minded with similar goals. Um, and, and so we spent a lot of time doing that. And then, um, you know, so if you find other people with like-minded interests to partner with them, um, and, and to build relationships with people through fitness, it's a, it's a really, it, it, it there's built-in motivators, um, because you, you'll enjoy it more if you're with other people, um, especially if they're already your friends. Uh, so that was helpful to have a college roommate who really, we just decided this is what we wanted to do. And we started, and that's when I, I had never done any distance running. And that's when we started distance running. And that was really, really enjoyable. And then I would also encourage people to get out of their comfort zone and try new um, ways of fitness because it's amazing how you don't know what you will connect with or enjoy until you try it. And so for me in the group fitness scene, um, there was a, a, a club in Charleston that I just went and visited the, that facility and saw the group fitness and thought I was just drawn into that. And so I knew from that point on, that's something I wanted to get involved in. It just felt right. But um, a lot of times I think what holds people back is a lack of vision. They don't know what they want and it's intimidating to try new things. So I would also encourage people to try different ways of uh, getting fit, getting strong, keeping up their cardiovascular um, yeah, that they may not have thought of before. Yeah, something different. So uh, I was just on a podcast earlier, and this individual's a fairly, I'd say, accomplished runner, uh, close to world record kind of numbers at a young age, at uh, 26, 28 years old. I think she, when she first got her first huge medal uh, in her running career. So running, we were talking about just running, you know, is a great the ultimate equalizer is like what I would tell my kids, because if you're not a good athlete and you're like, I can't do this and you know, I can't cheer, I'm not a good athlete, I can't jump, I uh, can't run fast or start there, you know, start with a, a, a thing that you think, like you said, try something different. So whether you, no one really likes to, I, I don't think anyone really loves to run. <laughs> I think, it's, I think it, happens. it just happens. You just get better at it. Right. And not at first anyway, that's for sure. No. And, you know, as a sprinter in high school and I did in some, you know, club running and things like that in college, because we didn't have a team, but you, know, you start running more and more and doing some shorter distance races, like a 5k start set, set a goal down. It's, you know, like if you're considering just doing anything, set a goal, put down a calendar. It's good to have something written down, right. That we have something to focus on, but ultimately everybody can, walk or run. So there's groups that you can get involved with and, and make a transition to something else. And ultimately it, it may lead to something else to a sport or an activity that you know, you may thought you never could do. I mean, yes. And absolutely. Absolutely. And within the last gosh, four years, um, I thought that I hated indoor cycling mm -hmm. and I was put in a position where it was the only, only cardio that was available to me. And so a friend of mine just said, just keep, just keep doing it. I think you'll really start to like it after maybe four or five classes. And then I fell in love with it. And I'm an, I'm a group cycling instructor now. And so, and it has been such a gift to me, but initially, even after the first two or three times, I was like, this is get me off this bike. I, I just want to go run or move. I felt locked in and just bored, but then I began to love it. And I realized that you find the right music. And the right instructor, it's it can be an incredible experience. And so I'm addicted now. I love it. Yeah, the adrenaline for, you know, once you get the body moving and you start, whether you're new to it or not, eventually you'll get that, you'll understand that feeling that we are talking about and uh, it, something will just click. So, yep. Laura, let's go over to, I want to talk a little bit about leadership and kind of what that means to you personally and knowing what you're doing now, you're working with you know, the, the youth of today that are really going to shape our tomorrow, I feel like, 
So what does leadership mean to you? And you see a lot of the struggles working with these kids today. And we were talking earlier, you know, I've got soon to be 13 year old son and soon to be 15 year old daughter who are facing those pressures from middle and high school. So let's talk about that. What does that mean? Where does that, what does that speak to you? Well, leadership to me is having a vision for the potential that a person has, what they could be and seeing that before they even see it. And then wanting to develop them to maximize that potential. And part of that, and I don't think that it's easy, is inspiring them and encouraging them in such a way that they can begin to see that vision too of themselves, of that growth, of um, what they could be. Um, because that's really the majority of the battle to inspire someone to believe that they're capable of doing something that they haven't even imagined yet um, is, is, is a huge challenge and quite an accomplishment. So I think leadership starts with that to be able to look at another individual, whether that is um, a teenager or another adult and be able to see the gifts that they already possess and have a imagination, a holy imagination for the person that they could be. Um, and then, you know, that's, that's where you begin. And then the rest is a lot of just strategy in terms of how to develop that person and then perseverance and endurance. I mean, I, I feel that and know that as a parent, um, because as you know, when you look at your kids, you see those strengths, you see their weaknesses, but you see those strengths and you see the beautiful gifts God's given them. And you so want them to see that themselves. Yeah. And what about the struggles? Like, so when I see, you know, like we were talking earlier, my daughter who's going through some, some cheer competition trials right now for her school and just not her, just like the kids, these athletes that the pressures that they're facing that, you know, we didn't have to face growing up. It's a, it's a different kind of pressure. Don't you agree? Like I do. I do. Um, I think for a number of reasons, their perspective is um, distorted uh, because it's so difficult for them to see that it is okay to be a work in progress that they aren't now who they will be, and that, as Pete Holman said on another one of your podcasts, it, what the janitor told him, is this is just a blip on the screen. This moment in your life is so finite, and you are a work in progress, and this is a journey. And I think it's so, so helpful for kids who are down on them on themselves and they lack perspective and feel so defined by what they see in the mirror or the feedback they get on social media it is so important for their identity to be rooted in tr the truth of who they are and the fact that they are um as you and I are always a work in progress and that this is a long-term process that the gift of sports and being an athlete is really for something so much bigger than the physical, because through it, God uses this avenue to develop your character and show you all of the things, many of the things about life that you wouldn't learn otherwise. And so I think the challenge is just for them, as it is for us, is the mindset and and for them to not see that because they didn't make varsity or because they got cut from the team or because um, they were put in a position where their athleticism isn't highlighted, um, that that doesn't define them, that their identity should be rooted in something so much deeper and that the humility to see that um, I am growing and I need to grow and I'm always needing to grow um, and that I need coaching and I want to hear feedback um, and I want to get better and just serve my team. That, that's a hard, that's a hard place to be. 
and it takes maturity, but it's a, it's an incredible life lesson. So what about strategies, Laura? What would you, what would you give them? What would you like if, you know, I were to come to you and say, Hey, I'm struggling with this. I was cut. I made a team or maybe they made a team and they're still struggling. Like, what would you, what, uh, any strategies or tips that, you know, like with the kids that you're working today, what would you give them? Sure. Um, I think that it's extremely important as we've talked about before to control the controllables in terms of what are you as an athlete able to control in terms of your personal development and what would be most helpful both for your character and the good of the team um, in terms of your response to whatever coaching you're getting, right? Whether that means that you're being overlooked or underestimated, um, what is the best response in regards to this? And if you can just focus on controlling the controllables, how hard you work, how focused you are, and a lot of self-control in terms of maybe feeling like responding a certain way to your teammates or to your coach, but practicing self-control, knowing that your hard work will pay off and that um, you're willing to go through the process and that process is, it's really, really, and that's such a hard truth to grasp and to hold on to, but it's the process of this development and, uh, that is more important than what you want right away, which is to be the best or to be in the front or to be used most and to be on the you know first string, whatever that is. What about, so just uh, leaning, a, leaning a little bit more into the leadership. So as leaders, if we're that coach, you're that individual, what's your mindset? Because I've seen a lot of coaches from when I first moved to Charlotte from Connecticut who have no experience working with kids, working as a coach, being in a leadership role. So as a leader, how do we, how do we get better to help these kids? Mm -hmm. Well, of course, we need to make sure that we communicate to these kids that we care about them as a person and not necessarily what they can contribute to the team. Right. Um, and that we are relatable. That's, that's certainly my coaching strategy and I've seen all kinds and, and different kinds work, but, um, I want to lead in humility. I want to hear from my athletes. Um, but I want the respect for them to know that ultimately I'm the one that makes decisions. Um, but, but I think that just caring about your athletes and knowing that you're going to ultimately do what's best for the team and what's best for them. And if they don't agree with that, it's okay, but you, you are requiring their, their trust and you just have to keep communicating that you love them. And this has any, any position they have on the team. It does not affect how much you care about them. And I, I bring it up because one of the things that I watch, whether I'm at, at a high school, middle school, professional game, is the coaches' approach, their leadership style. And we've been around a couple of fitness conferences where you just you're sitting in, you're and you're listening to these leaders talk. And how do we? What are we absorbing from that? And what? How we're viewed. So I think that same mindset with the kids, if we're leading kids, is to always remember that, you know, if you do make the team, you don't make the team, you're having that, you're having that thought that how you can affect and ultimately shape kind of how their path is going to go and, and their mindset. So it's sad to me to see a coach who is not willing to get better. You know, we all can get better. We're always learning. You said earlier, we're always evolving. So I don't care if you're 15 or 65, you know, 85, you're still learning. You learn along the way, you learn a little bit each day. So as leaders to take that seriously, because if you don't, you know, you never know how you can, one little word or action is going to shape of that mindset of that person or that, that kid's future. So to take that seriously, I, I'm a big believer on that. So, uh, which is one of the reasons why I brought you on, because that's how you lead. You, you, you're a good leader. You set good examples uh, and you, you practice what you preach. So to speak. it's always, you know, it's, it's, 
so nice to see that. So thanks for thanks for your leadership and how you lead. So sure, thank you. And I, I do want to say about that that same with coaches. If the coach's identity mm-hmm. is tied up in how successful his or her team is, or the presentation of the team, right. as it is a that their identity might be swayed or rocked by performance. That's when I think you see a lot of um, arrogance and pride and emotion sometimes um, come out in coaching. And I, my goal is to be a consistent coach that I don't come in and you never know what you're going to get with her, but that I'm consistent. My emotions are under control and I'm rooted and grounded. My identity is in who I am in Christ and not what other people think about me. So I think it's the same for athletes as it is with coaches when you know who you are. And that's um, in John 13, there is this passage about Jesus before he um, washes his disciples feet. And this is the ultimate example of servant leadership. It, the scripture talks about how he first remembered who he was. He remembered where he had come from. And he remembered where he was going. And in light of that, he took a basin and he took a towel and he washed his disciples' feet to show them how they were to love one another and serve one another. And I marvel at that passage. And I think it's a really great teaching point is that in order to serve well and to be a servant leader, you have to know who you are, where you've come from, and where you're going. And that is the ammunition, so to speak, that is the fuel, that is the foundation that you need to actually lead well. Right. So Laura, what was that, John 13? What was the verse? It's at the beginning of the chapter. Okay. Yeah, so, John 15 in the Gospels. Okay. I want to, I just, I want to ask that and I don't want to skip over that because I want to make sure we put that in the show notes at the end. So okay. uh, thanks for sharing that. Adversity, Laura. So someone who's struggling with, you know, dealing with adversity. So I like to think your drive can lead you through a lot of that, your personal drive. And some people say, might say, I don't have, what's my, what does that mean? I don't have drive. We all have something that drives us. Just, you know, if, if you close your eyes, sit back and think about it for a minute. What drives you to get through your day? What drives you, if you're an athlete, to get through that moment in practice where it's tough or that moment in your life that, tragedy or anything really. So what would you advise or how do you personally deal with adversity and how do you help your athletes deal with that? Yeah, I I also approach it from a very spiritual perspective. I hope that this is helpful, but um, I have to remember that what is seen is temporary. What is unseen is eternal. And so I am a firm believer that everything that we go through and all the adversity that we face, if we allow it, is developing in us something greater that is eternal and that I can be perplexed but not crushed. I can be um, mourning but also deeply rejoicing at the same time when my circumstances are difficult, which my husband and I have been through some difficult years over the past couple of years. So, and so have so many people, but um, in that there is a hope that a greater good is coming from the temporary discomfort of whatever it is we're going through. And so if a young person can have some kind of a greater perspective, and that's what I was talking about. One of the challenges with being a teenager right now is everything is so immediate and it feels so permanent and it feels so um, like such a big deal when really it's a blip on the screen. If they could see a broader um, picture and have more perspective, um, it would be so helpful in terms of getting them through to the other side. Because so, sport, sports and all, you know, all of that is, is really to serve them. They don't serve sports. Sports serves the individual. Right. 
to develop them. But that's not easy to learn. No. So as far as their drive and what fuels them, ultimately, you know, those situations, we worry about them defining us and, and how you deal with them and the struggles, how it can deter you. So for you and, and knowing you, it's, it's always your faith, leaning on your faith and having right. that relationship. So, right. Understanding that there, there's a greater good that is coming and resulting from the temporary difficulty. Right. Because that's what allows us to have hope, that there's some purpose to the struggles that we face. Uh, so, Laura, what about to that person who's listening, whether they're a student, or an adult, you know, struggling, what if they don't have that relationship? How do they, how do they find it? Like, what would you, how would you help them? Like if they're coming yeah. to you or what advice would you give that person saying, I don't have that relationship Yeah. in my favor? <clears throat> well, that's a great question. Um, I think it begins with really searching for truth and meaning in life. And obviously, you know, it's, it would be an exceptional young person that would be exploring and looking for that at a really early age. But I think most of us, by the time we get to high school, start to ask some big questions. What's the point of all this? Where am I headed? Where am I going? What am I about? Who are my people? <laughs> um, what am I going to do with my life? All of those kind of bigger, deeper questions. Um, and hopefully that search for truth and meaning and beauty really begins. Um. So I would say some some ways to search for that is to to look around and find people that you admire, that you respect, and ask them questions about what grounds them and what they're rooted in, what they put their hope in, and questions about their life and how they found direction for their life. Um, I think that that would be a helpful and practical way to start. Um, I certainly found um, my faith to be in, in just reading, actually just reading the Bible um, to be so, so helpful because I think for me, um, I like to have fun and I've always been a fun person, but I also am a very deep person. And so even in high school, I was asking those big questions because I'm the type of person that I'm either going to go all in or I don't care. And so um as I was looking for direction for my life, I really was asking for those, asking those deep questions. And I certainly found them when I got around people of faith that I started talking to um, and reading scripture for myself and finding beauty and truth and meaning. And it just helped life make sense. It helped life make sense. And it wasn't, and it was beautiful. It was beautiful. So I would encourage people to reach out to others that they respect and admire, that they see something good and beautiful in. And also to, if they have a Bible, search their Bible, talk to God, ask him. Right. And it's, it's the ultimate uh, book to read, right? And, and most often the one that's put on the shelf, you know, you tend to forget about it. And it, right. And it certainly can be overwhelming. I mean, that's I teach right now. I'm teaching New Testament to sophomores in high school. Um, and it's been a lot of fun to be able to go book by book and break down the the purpose of the book and who it was written by and how we can understand it. Um, but it really does. It's, the Bible is something that you can study all of your life and be learning new things and seeing new things and be inspired and challenged by new things. And I know certainly for me, just with the ups and downs of life, it has been my solid rock for sure. Which is a good segue into something that, you know, while we're on a topic of faith and what does that, what does it mean to you personally? And you, you hear it a lot on several podcasts I listen to. Um, most recently, you know, we all know you and I, I think, you know, we've been in the room and we've listened to these podcasts with uh, Damon West, and he he always in his with his second chance, you know, in life, and and his message now is choosing faith over uh, faith over fear. Mm -hmm. So, what does what does that word faith mean for you, and and how you 
help others like you you, you kind of just you went into a little bit of it but how do you how does that, how do you identify with that yeah i mean faith is for me seeing the unseen and it's it's trusting in um a reality that honestly makes life make sense um but also acting upon it so faith isn't just um something that's separate from us and and kept as an idea or even an ideal but it's something that if a person believes it and then actually begins to live it out it is transformational and that's always been god's intent for his word not to be in theory but in practice and so faith is moving forward believing that um there there is this truth and there is this good that you are moving toward that is um that is creating uh good in the world having an impact in the world and that every single person was born with a purpose and by design with specific gifts um in this generation to have an impact and um so faith is knowing but also walking believing acting that out in relationships and in life um and just provides a foundation where i mean you can certainly see it when right now in our generation there's just people are really confused about what the truth even is or if it exists and i have to admit that if if i did not have a deeply rooted belief in in truth then i would have a lot of anxiety a lot and i understand why people struggle with it so much is so there, i'm sorry is there a not to interrupt is there a special for you in terms of your faith in, in those moments a special verse that's that sticks out or stands out to you that you can share with somebody hey mark this down go to it if you you know when you're when you're in doubt of those moments in your faith or you're new to any any faith or that you're uh dealing with whether it be you know in your passions for god or you're just having faith in general is there any verse that stands out for you that you lean on for sure um romans 8 28 um is a passage that talks about no matter what happens all things work together controllable and uncontrollable all things work together for the good of those who love the lord and are called according to his purposes and so it is not pollyanna or naive and it is not saying that everything in your life is good and easy right but it is saying that ultimately everything in your life is working toward and for your good and that is definitely a promise that i hold on to because you know a lot of things in life don't make sense they don't make sense you cannot make sense of them but you still have to have the courage to move forward so the faith is believing that you don't know how it's going to turn out for good you don't you don't even know how you could claim that this could possibly be good but you know that ultimately it is working toward a greater good and you just have to surrender what you can't understand because honestly what what else are you going to do you're going to get bitter and angry or stay in bed I, those aren't options for me and so that is the hope that i have that there is a greater good in all of my circumstances and that my job is to trust and move forward and continue to love and lead and serve so from that standpoint in dealing with faith with the young athletes and specifically since it's a big topic of this podcast is is helping serve those youth and my daughter has uh, there's you know i'm sure you have this at your school we didn't have it I, unfortunately i didn't have that group to go to in school and at least not at our particular one i'm sure it was around at say the christian high schools catholic high schools but we didn't have that group so if you were if you walked the walk you almost you hit it or you were afraid to talk about it now at schools with, with my daughter's school they have there's a you know, fellowship of christian athletes Mm -hmm. So do you, would you encourage them to seek a group out like that or maybe form one 
uh, if they're you know, that's a, an area lacking that they're you know they're proud of and as you should be but you know there's that presence isn't there for them if it's a school that so what is that something that you would encourage them or do you have that with your current group yeah yeah absolutely um that is to be in community and to be around people that are positive and that are at least striving to go in the right direction is so, so helpful. Um, but yes, so, you know, I think FCAs are at about every school. If you don't have one, um, you know, you, you could start one. Our school does have an FCA, but also there is Young Life. Young Life is um, a non-denominational ministry to middle school, high school, and they even have a college ministry now. And um, Young Life is probably, I mean, it's been around since, gosh, probably the 1930s, but it's really spread around. I, and I don't know a local high school right now that doesn't have one around here. So that's another great organization to get involved with. But yeah, I think that's a great point, David, is just to get involved with being in a community of other people your age um, that are wanting to go in that direction. And it, it's such a nice, you know, just place to go and, and to be able to uh, be around that different, you know, uh, different group that you're not um, usually with. You know, your your high schools are so, especially high schools nowadays, they're phenomenal. The diversity is great. You know, you have so many different walks of life going on. And and it's nice to have those options. And something, again, we didn't have, I didn't have growing up. So it's nice to see my daughter and those kids today have that opportunity to go to those things. And Young Life, FCA, you know, they're just two of the examples. So. Yeah, to have a good time, to meet people and to explore their faith. Right. They don't need to have it figured out. You know, they don't. And and we're still figuring it out. But get connected to people that, like I said, you know, are at least searching and tracking in the in the right direction and find leaders that and usually you can tell, you know, um, just finding leaders that that really care about kids. You know, you more than likely you're going to if you if you ask them, you will get direction on how to get further connected and grow. And so I didn't, want to, I didn't want to skip over this because we didn't mention it in the beginning, but you're an author, co-author of a book, which I was fortunate to be a part of with you. And so, and the title of the book is What's Next? And no, so what's next? For, what's next for you? What's next for Laura? And I want to give a little plug to your chapter. So to the book and also what's next for you. So can you quickly uh, just, you know, for our audience, because we'll put this in the show notes, but I wanted to give you a little plug on that because Thanks. it's a big thing to to do is, you know, A, to write a book, to be part of a book that with 26 other authors, 27 that different thoughts and, and mindsets and of, of where, the, you know, what's next for the industry. But what's next for Laura first? And then a quick plug on your chapter because I don't want to skip that over. Thank you. Thanks for asking. Okay, so this has been an unusual year. I don't know if we talked about that much, but I have been uh, personal training for a number of years. And this year, I put that aside, although I've done some personal training um, this year. I've also been full-time teaching and then ex just recently accepted this job coaching competitive cheer. Um, and so I committed to that one year of teaching, knowing that that would probably be the only year I would do that full-time. And now I'm headed back to more full-time personal training again and teaching group fitness. So um, doing more of that, I am probably going to be, um, it's going to look a little bit different this year for me. And hopefully I'm going to be able to connect with some people that are going to allow me to be more creative with the way that I um, run my personal training business. And I hope to at some point get into providing uh, weekend retreats um, and various things for my clients that I haven't been able to do in the past. So hoping to go in that direction um, with my personal training once I get back to it in a couple of weeks here, because school is almost out. Well, that's phenomenal. I know just seeing you in action from your, your social media posts that your energy levels are through the roof. So anyone who probably trains with you, who 
takes your classes knows <laughs> for, for a fact. So I'm sure they're happy that's where you're headed back towards. So yeah. what about your book? What about your chapter? Yeah. So um, my chapter is called Sportifying Fitness for Adults. And I really do believe that that is um, the direction and have seen, even since I wrote the chapter, that this is this is true, that people are really uh, adults are desiring community even more, um, connecting themselves with other people that are athletes that or want to be athletes or has been or were athletes um, that train together for competitions like DECA um, or um, various like Spartan or anything like that to where they kind of develop into their own little adult sports team. And they are training together with common goals um, and building community within that adult group because so many of us back to your question before, um, have a difficult time transitioning out of high school, college sports, and then not knowing what we want to do with ourselves. Um, and for some people, they've been out of athletics for 20 years. And, um, for some people they're, you know, 26 and they've been out of athletics for four years. And now that's, it's maybe pickleball, <laughs> but, but you're seeing this trend where people want to compete. They want community. They want some type of goals to be training after rather than just going to the gym and getting on the treadmill day after day. And so, um, the art of kind of sportifying fitness, I believe is the, the, the way in the future, I believe it's going to grow. Um, and there's going to be all kinds of competitors to DECA um, that will pop up. And I'm I'm actually seeing DECA grow a ton, just seeing uh, competitions pop up all over, um, which is really, really cool to see. And it's uh, it's a great, uh, I loved your chapter, by the way. So I want to give a little plug also. And if someone wants to buy that book and find you, where can they, where can they do that? Um, they can buy it on Amazon. And then if they want to reach out to you and follow you or get some advice, maybe have them talk to you, talk to their youth, <laughs> how can they reach, how can they find Oh, sure. Um, well, you can email me um, at ljonesyep at gmail.com or um, my Instagram is, drum roll. <laughs> drum roll. Put that, put that, we'll put that music in there. Yes, um, it is at Laura Jones underscore JSF. We'll put that in the show notes too. So to all those listeners and don't worry about writing it down, don't crash your car. We will uh, put that in the show notes so they can contact you and um, get some great advice and, and leadership uh, skill set from you that they may be <laughs> lacking or needing at this time in their lives. So yeah, yeah. And I, try, I do try to post, you know, new creative and effective exercises on a regular basis. That's one of the things that I love to do um, is posting exercises um, that don't waste people's time <laughs> that are really effective and that they might not just think up on their own. And that's kind of one of my specialties as a personal trainer is keeping it um, fun and effective um, and creative. Yeah, you're your poster, I love seeing your post. I'm like, I don't know. Uh, you come up with the most creative exercises. <laughs> yes, but not random, super effective. And yeah, you can tell that I, I love what I do. I love personal training. Um, and so I'm, I'm glad that, that it shows through on those posts. It does. The passion shows. And when people get to know you, that they, they can see it and feel it too. So especially... Uh, in today's uh, world where, you know, we're, we're seeking out those leaders and those, those coaches and role models to, to help us um, through those areas that we need help with. So, and you're doing a phenomenal job and I'm, I'm glad to, you know, came in contact with you, became friends through the mentorship program and continue to follow you and occasionally steal some of your exercises off your Instagram posts. <laughs> yeah, that's what they're for. That's, I really hope that people do. And um, I remember the first time that I met you at your gym, um, you were, I was impressed because although you are the owner, you were dripping sweat, 
having just cleaned the gym top to bottom because uh, a couple of masterminders were showing up along with Todd Durkin and you were hosting something for your community to serve your community. And um, I just remember in addition to you dripping sweat, you were just the friendliest person and and talked to me like you'd known me all your life. So you made me feel welcome. Appreciate that. Yeah, that's, uh, it's, it's just nice to be able to just connect and to make a difference. And that's why we do what we do, right? That's right. So Laura, thank you. But I want to wrap it up with two things. One, um, with a quick fun fact or talent that Laura Jones may has uh, been doing in her life or people that something they may not know you want to share anything like that. So many things, but let's see. Um, my husband and I have hosted international students for the past four years. So we've hosted a student from China. We've hosted a student from Switzerland, Germany, and we're currently hosting a student from Mexico. These are all high school students. Um, and we have teenage boys, so it's been a great fit and it's been a great experience for our family. So I would encourage anyone who has the ability to host an international student. It's a great way to learn. It's a great way to, um, share love and, um, really build and build into and bless, um, another young person's life and hopefully, you know, be a good influence. If somebody wants to do that. Uh, where can, how can they do, do so? Well, usually um, we've hosted students who are connected um, with particular private schools. Uh, and then, but you could also host through public school. So there's various ways to do that. But I think the first step, if somebody's interested, would be to contact their local high schools and ask if there is a program that they have. And um, usually they are happy to hear from host families because they are difficult to find. That's my experience with um, with the private school. They were just so, so happy to um, to know we were here and that we wanted to host. Yeah, we'll put that. I just want to put as much as we can in our show notes so people can, if they're interested in helping or want to get involved, that they can have that. Yeah. So, uh, last question, Laura. You're on the Why Not Me podcast. What does that term mean to you? And any advice you'd give to somebody, youth or adult, struggling, you know, right now, believing in themselves? Yeah, I am. Um, I have one bumper sticker on the back of my car, and it says, Your life matters. Um, and so I think that why not me is almost essentially asking, do I matter? And the answer is absolutely you do, but you have to be convinced of that in order to live your life to the fullest. And so I think that if people really believe that to the core of their soul, that they would approach life much differently. And because you matter um, you are worth all of the effort and all of the work that it takes to develop you and have your potential fully maximized. And so that's what I would want people to know is that they are um, created and gifted and placed in this time period in history for a reason. And their life has infinite value and significance. And if they could just grasp onto that, and know that they are a work in progress, that they are loved and they are valued. Um, this whole journey is so much more beautiful, fun, exciting. And um, that mentality will lead you throughout your life um, and make it a life worth telling a story about. Wow, that was a that, that was a nice wrap up. So <laughs> I think you said it better than that. So Maybe I'll add that to the next book. So, <laughs> uh, Laura, you've been great. And thanks for your time. And we love to have you on again in the future so we can see what's going on in your next chapter. But thanks for sharing all your words of wisdom. And I know it's helped and will help uh, hopefully lots of youth and adults who millions of our subscribers that <laughs> we, we're trying to grow this message too. So thanks again. Absolutely. Thank you. And I uh, appreciate your you coming on and look forward to seeing you at a next event somewhere. Hope so soon, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, say hi to your uh, family for me and uh, enjoy your rest of your school year. Hopefully it's a smooth transition over for you. Thank you so much. Have a good day. You too. Thanks. Bye. 
I want to thank Laura Jones for joining us today and for her message on how powerful being a leader can be, especially when we are coaching our youth of today and how important it is to think about every word, every action that we take when trying to coach, mentor, and lead our kids into becoming the best version of themselves on and off the court or field. Remember, if you are coaching or leading any form of sport or in any profession, that our actions, our words matter. Be positive, be impactful, be wise when delivering a message and just how much that message can determine the right or wrong path in some cases for our athletes, our kids, and friends can take. Thank you, Laura. If you're liking the show, give us a five-star rating and share this episode with a friend. Remember, when in doubt, ask yourself, why not me? Why not now? Have a great day.